It's like, it's like the devil trying to scare you. But then the angels come in and the angels, they let you know who's in trouble. This is New Wine for New Wineskins. My name is Rigoberto Dominguez. Welcome to the segment. Go get your Bibles and notepads and let's get that new wine. I tried living apart from God. At times I was feeling so far from God. My faith in his people that left me scarred. The hatred and hurt was so bizarre. I thought that they would always ride for me. I cried but nobody replied to me. I questioned the truth inside of me and right about then is when the devil had lied to me. Like, hold up, God got you, he don't ever show up. All his people acting like they know you. Tell you that you do it for the money, fame, power, trying to blow up. Why you playing games, trying to grow up? You been reading Bibles and leading studies and helping your little buddies, but tell me what it's really doing for you. They gon' still tell you you're faking phony, you're your every motive, so what's the point in trying to keep it loyal? Said you have faith, fake, you're starting to race fake. Can't even take dates, you're hoping to save faith. Trying to go mainstream in order to reach folk. Ain't nobody rocking with you, especially these folk. I lost it, why not drinking liquor in my closet? I used to pray in here, but now I'm saucy. I'm losing money, I'm a lost profit I'm making bad decisions every time I get exhausted Lord, I don't even really know the real me now Demons got me tripping, trying to kill me now Sitting, trying to figure who can help me get delivered Send an angel in an Uber, come and heal me now Evil, you ain't got no control of me I'm never too far from the blood that flowed for me I lost a lot, but got too much again I'll probably never be the same, but I ain't worried Because I know you're storing me How to suffer through the storm Hey, welcome back, welcome back My name is Rigoberto Dominguez This is New Wine for New Wineskins it is April 16th, 2001, the year of our Lord. Boy, again and again and again, things seem to be surfacing uh, like, you know, like things are just uh, moving really fast in this world. Um, and at all levels, I'm not just talking about... Um, you know, things that are um, being um, focused on technology, um, you know, that are advancing by leaps and bounds. But, you know, evil is rampant. It is just uh, not slowing down. It seems to have had this um, accelerated uh, motion about it. And um, what I mean is, um, it's just seem it seems to be popping up everywhere and any and anywhere you look, and I'm reminded of the passage of scripture that uh, in the last days, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who remains faithful till the end uh, shall be saved. You know, I I believe, and I hold to the view that. Um, that the rise and the increase of wickedness and the and evil in the world um, does not uh, give way to a um, a rapture moment more than it gives way to uh, the church to have a faithful moment. And um, well, there's a difference for those of you uh, out there who are into eschatology and are focused upon uh, in uh, the last days and the end days and and um, the day of the Lord and you know whatever whatever theme or topic you want to call it um, I I hold to the view that uh, the increase of wickedness um, and um, and and because of it the love of most will will grow cold. Uh, does not 
um, advance a coming rapture, but more uh, a coming uh, necessity for the church uh, to remain faithful through uh, the rise of wickedness and tribulation. And, you know, if we think about it uh, a little bit, and I want to encourage and challenge all of you who might have a different view, uh, respectfully, that if we kind of, um, you know, peel it back a little bit, um, if we adopt all these views in um, in a very practical manner, that if if for one, the one who holds to a coming rapture, well, uh, the rise of, it, of wickedness might uh, seem uh, a little threatening, um, but this anticipation and this hope uh, that the church will be raptured out of it before it gets really bad. Um, that's one view. And then um, the second view that, excuse me, that um, that somehow the the rise of wickedness will get a little bit uh, advanced, but somehow in the midst and in the rise of a, of a strong uh, tribulation and uh, an aggression of evil in the world, in the midst or in the middle of this uh, time period, that the church will be raptured then. Um, that's the second view. And then there's a, a third and probably a fourth view, but I'll stick with the third view, which is probably the one that I hold to most. One, the first one I mentioned was pre-tribulation. Uh, the second one was called mid-tribulation. And the last one is post-tribulation. Uh, pre-tribulation uh, says uh, before the rising of uh, the Antichrist and the really um, advancing of evil in the world and the rise of tribulation and um, and just uh, rumors of wars and and um, and pestilence and and uh, earthquakes and all these things that um, the Word of God mentions that uh, the church will be removed and then mid tribulation says that um, that the tribulation will start but somewhere in the middle. Uh, the church will be removed and raptured. Post-tribulation holds to the view that um, that the church not only will start in the tribulation, but will actually be forced to endure it and go through it all until the end of the tribulation. And then uh, the Lord will return. This is uh, uh, the view that uh, I hold uh, more strongly to. In a sense that, let's just give the example that if, for instance, those of us who uh, out there who hold to the pre-tribulation position, that if the rise of uh, or the increase of wickedness comes, the Antichrist surfaces, evil is just really dominating the world, and all of a sudden there's no rapture, uh, there's no there's no uh, um, removing of the church. Um, those who hold to this pre-tribulation concept are forced uh, to a couple of things here. Now think about this. You're forced to uh, change your mind and move maybe to the 
mid-tribulation position or even to the post-tribulation. But the psychological damage that it can do is actually turn one's faith uh, and really uh, be a, a stronghold for Satan to say that all of us was all of it was just a hoax, and that because there was no pre-tribulation and the church was not removed, it's not true at all, and that Christianity in itself is a hoax. And I know already that a lot of people um, have have followed uh, many um, self-proclaimed prophets who have uh, taken the nerve to um, to make and put dates on a time of the Lord's return. Uh, that because of that, uh, many have been damaged uh, by that, and because those dates have come and gone and passed. Um, those who have been followers of these self-proclaimed prophets and uh, and prophetic statements that didn't come to pass, um, you know, uh, they were forced to reconcile this uh, false statement, this false prophetic view. Scripture is clear that if a pro if a person comes and declares a prophetic word um, and puts a date stamp on it, but it doesn't come to pass. Consider that person a false prophet and dismiss them altogether. There's no, there's no other process uh, to take place when it comes to the word of God. Dismiss that person altogether. There's nothing else that that person can say that validates you or even the individual. But sometimes, you know, we get hung up on the familiar. We get hung up on on an individual versus God's truth, and. Um, and I've said this before, in a sense that that most people get more hung up on their experience, and eventually uh, realign God's word to fit their experience, versus allowing God's word to change their experience. Uh, and there's a difference. And there's a difference. So then the psychological damage is done, and all of a sudden we lose some. Some have to change their mind. Others don't know what to do. Or what to believe. And the same goes for the mid-tribulation. That if that doesn't occur, uh, then again, you're stuck to do one or the other again. Uh, change your mind. Dismiss it altogether. Call it a hoax. You know, you give a lot of grounds for Satan to uh, to really uh, uh, mingle with the truth. And, uh, and, and, uh, and try to... Uh, really throw off those who've held these positions. Uh, I think I'm, I want to be respectful and be sensitive to the fact that um, most of uh, of you out there who hold to either or position are sincere and that uh, you would love, love nothing more, uh, as I would love nothing more, is to see the Lord face to face. Yes, uh, in such a time as that. But um, what are the facts? What are the facts? Regardless of how I feel or what makes me feel satisfied or secure about the matter, what are the facts? And I believe that the world's already shown what the facts are. You know, Matthew 24 makes it very clear um, in in these situations. He, the Lord puts a the Lord puts a um, a time stamp on it. If we haven't noticed it, when He says all these things are the beginning of birth pains, that very word uh, and that very statement is a time stamp. I'm not talking about a date. I'm not talking about a month. I'm not talking about a year. Even though it will happen whenever that month and year and that date is. But when the Lord makes statements like an absolute statement at that, an exclusive statement like birth pains, and then he gives clues and cues of indicating what those birth pains are like. Now, 
I don't know you, brother, or sister out there. I'm sure the sisters out here who, who will hear the sound of my voice, you're very familiar with what I'm about to talk about. But if you put a timestamp on something like that or a statement that says these are the beginning, that means the introduction to birth pains, um, our, our sisters understand very clearly uh, if, if they've had uh, children, what exactly that means because they've firsthand experienced birth pains. Not only did they experience them, they experienced the beginning, the mid portion of it, and ultimately the end. And you're already getting the logical outworking here that if the Lord's made it very clear that these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, what was he talking about? And in, in Matthew 24, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing a little bit here, the Lord uh, was asked uh, by the disciples, when when will all these happen? When will all these things happen? Excuse me. And what will be the sign of, excuse me, the sign of, uh, of the end of the age and of your coming and of your return? So there's two things. It'll be the end of the age and it'll be of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What will be the signs? And the Lord, and the Lord's first response is watch out for many false prophets will come in my name proclaiming that they are the Christ and will deceive many. That's the first response. So so then we look for the clues and the cues according to the Lord's answers. And this is the beginning of birth pain. So he says, hey, false prophets will surface. Many will declare they come in the name of the Lord or even declare that they are the Christ and will deceive many. Uh, earth, earthquakes and famines and pestilence. Uh, wars and rumors of wars, uh, he says. But be, but see to it that you're not alarmed, for this is just the beginning of birth pains. Now, those are all clues and cues to give you an indicator of what birth pains we're talking about. What are the birth pains? False prophets, earthquakes, pestilence, wars and rumors of wars, false Christs, false miracles, all these things. But the end is still to come. So if we look back in history and we can go pretty far back where false Christs and earthquakes and famines and and wars and rumors of wars existed. I've always said that if we had CNN and Fox News or any media channel at the time and the rise of uh, the Babylonian um army taking over and dominating uh, its portion of the world including Israel and it would have been aired live on television or it would have been talked about on every uh, media channel, news channel every night, we would have thought that the end was then and uh, and I'm sure that a lot of people who had first hand experiences in those wars in those dominant times of uh of nation over nation and kingdom over kingdom, they might have thought and probably did think that the end was then. Um, but again, the Lord says it's the beginning of birth pains. Now, let's give let's give uh, some context to birth pains and childbearing, and in the sense that if you are giving a a birth to a child, and I don't know anything about this, you know, I, I'm a man. Um, but I've I've uh, been around um, my wife and uh, and have had to experience 
uh, her first encounter with a birth pain. So I'm I'm having I've I've been having to get then familiar with understanding what was happening, and the birth pains and the contractions. If you remember, um, they were distant. They were separate from each other, but because they were unfamiliar when they first came upon um, the the mother, they were intense. They were shocking. They were unexpected, and they were surprising. So the first thing that we did is run to the hospital thinking something was going on. And the doctor would come in and say, hey, what's going on? And we would mention, well, we had a, a contraction, and, uh, and we had maybe two contractions, and and uh and now they're gone but uh boy there was it was intense you know the doctor's probably gonna uh, smile and say you know um everything's okay uh this is this is just part of what what happens when you're getting close but it's not time yet it's not time yet so go on ahead and and head home and uh and you know get get a little bit of exercise and uh, uh maybe um take a hot bath and uh, get some ice cream going or whatever, you know, it's going to be comfort, comfortable. And, uh, okay, so we follow the doctor's orders. And all of a sudden, uh, time passes, maybe a week or two, and the contraction uh, occurs again. And now um, it's a little bit more advanced than the first two. We're now having maybe five or six contractions, you know, within a week's period of time. And, uh, well, again, unfamiliar territory, um, things that are not uh, normal to, um, to, uh, to a mother. And, uh, and it's painful. It's painful. Uh, so, again, it puts the person in shock. And, it, and we assume that it demands attention. So we run back to the hospital, had the doctor come in. What does the doctor do? Smiles again. He said, yeah, um, you know, take the same uh, – uh, recommendations and uh, uh, and an order uh, that I've given you in the past. Uh, you know, take a walk. You know, try to relax and uh, maybe do some breathing practices and whatever whatever's going to help you. You know, get a little bit comfortable. Not time yet. And then okay, so we go home and you know this goes on for for weeks now. And um, we avoid going to the hospital because we've been told don't come back. Um, unless you know it really advances, you're pretty distant. But the idea is that. Uh, Oh, uh, birth pains is a reality, and uh, and that it's occurring, but it's advancing as time gets closer. Listen carefully, brother and sister, to the birth of a child. Now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward a little bit and kind of give it in advance that here um, the Lord uh, makes that statement. But let's give the logical outworking of what it means to have a child in its birth pains. And, and a childbearing moment because what started as two contractions, five contractions now is now 10 contractions, 15, 20 contractions throughout the day. I mean, in separate different time frames, but not and not consistent, but nevertheless they're happening. And now it's pretty bad and there's a lot of pain going on and we're really concerned. So we go to the hospital and the doctor says, you know, I know this might really feel like it, and I know that you've taken my order and my instructions in the past that, hey, you know, you should really uh, just take your time with it, but 
I know that this really seems a lot closer and it's hard to endure because it's really painful. Um, you know, hey, I'm going to give you the same instruction that I've given you before. Everybody knows that they're guilty. Everybody knows that they've lied. Everybody knows that they're guilty. Resting on their conscience, eating their inside. It's freedom. Said it's freedom time now. Hey, this is Rigoberto Dominguez, just checking in again at New Wine for New Wine Skins. Want to inform everybody out there to check in on the podcast every Friday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Don't miss it. We always got something new, something fresh for you. It's Freedom Time. Who will dominate the opinions, schisms, and isms, keeping us in forms of religion, conforming our vision to the world church's decision. Welcome back. Welcome back. So... Yes, so the doctor says, when you have contractions every five minutes for one hour straight, without fail, not 15, not a half hour, not 45 minutes, not 55 minutes, not 59 minutes, one hour straight, solid, then come to the hospital, whether your water breaks or not, it's a clear indicator, clue and cue that you are about to have a baby so we go home and you know we we have this frame now that we can go by to really calculate and determine when it's going to be the right time we don't have just experiences we don't have just pain but we have a, a, a particular structure a fixed point of reference to determine when it's the right time and when we uh, should be packing our bags uh, to go have a baby. And, excuse me, and sure enough, well, the contractions come in. Well, you know, I, I have a clock, and I'm clocking five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half hour, then it's done. It's over. Okay. So then contractions come again, and we start anew. Five minutes, 10 minutes. 15 minutes, 25 minutes, half hour, 40 minutes, then it's done. You know, okay, then we dismiss that. And then, again, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, and then we dismiss that. And then about 3 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, um, there's hard contractions and, you know, the, the grip of the hand and say, hey, uh, we're starting again. I say, okay, so we take the clock and... Five minutes go, 10 minutes go, 15 minutes go, uh, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45. Now, this is the first time we got to 45, so I'm waiting for it to dismiss, and it doesn't. 50 minutes go, uh-oh, I'm getting up out of bed now. 55 minutes go, now I'm really, you know, I'm halfway dressed now. And sure enough, the hour hits on the dot. Contractions came. Every five minutes for one hour straight, and we were ready to go. An hour later, a baby was born. A baby was born. Now, we need to parallel this to what the Lord said when he was addressing the matter 
in Matthew 24. And we need to uh, have that clarity. Now, again, I was sharing with you about the positions of pre, mid, and post-tribulation. And here um, I was sharing that in the logical outworking that if one holds to pre-tribulation or mid-tribulation, that the logical outworking of it is that if it doesn't occur, and that's my point, or or for some of you might be an assumption on my behalf, that it's not going to occur, but I believe it's not going to occur. So I believe to for it to be absolutely true that what we are going to go through is a post-tribulation, that we are going to go through the tribulation, and that if it doesn't occur, the psychological damage that it does to one who started confessing is crucial. But the one who holds to post-tribulation has already set in their mind and prepared themselves mentally, physically, spiritually, body, soul, and spirit for the enduring of the tribulation and to actually last through it and come out victorious on the other end. That that psychological structure of preparedness uh, has no consequences because it prepares for uh, the worst of all experiences and truly, excuse me, prepares for the most uh, damaging experience that most of our martyrs from history have endured uh, themselves, which is death because of confession of faith. But now that the Lord gives us uh, a clue in stating that uh, these are the beginning of birth pains, um, what are we talking about? And when, since we've already established, excuse me, what uh, the birth pain structure looks like every five minutes, contractions for one hour straight. Now think about this. We're going to parallel this now. And I'll read the passage again. And the Lord Jesus was sitting on a Mount of Olives, Matthew 24, verse 3. And the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And the Lord Jesus Christ responds. Excuse me. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now, they're asking what will be the signs of his return and the end of the age. And the first response the Lord gives is many claiming to be that they are the Christ and deceiving many. And then he says in verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Now, I mentioned to you that if the news media was available in those times, we would have thought that the end was then because of the horrible and horrific uh, warlike manners that existed in those times. You know, we, we only read about today what, what they did. We would have thought it was we would have thought it was truly the end, seeing how horrible. Uh, nation fought against nation. But the Lord says in verse 6, But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse, verse 7, Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All, this, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Now think about it. If that's the beginning of birth pains, and we talked about how distant it is before childbearing and giving birth 
uh, to a baby, and eventually it enhances um, as things come along, as the baby develops, you know, and the Lord says, these are the beginning of birth pains, the rise of Antichrist, false Antichrist, the rise of false prophets, um, the rise of nation over nation, kingdom over kingdom, earthquakes and famines, and uh, in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains, and the birth pain structure is every five minutes for one hour straight. Listen carefully, brother and sister. Listen carefully. What do you think the world is going to look like when it's having contractions of false prophets, wars and rumors of wars, and nation rising up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and famines and earthquakes in all various places, contractions of all these situations in every, in every form, manner, that can possibly exist upon man, if it's having these contractions and these pains, every five minutes for one hour straight. Every five minutes for one hour straight. What do you think the world is going to look like? We can't even imagine it now. We think... And people thought in 50, 60 years ago that evil was rampant then. And even 100 years ago that evil was rampant then. I'm sorry, 500 years ago that evil was rampant then. A thousand years ago that evil was rampant then. I can't even imagine if I think and you think that evil is rampant now, what's it going to look like when it's happening every five minutes for one hour straight? Verse 9, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me, says the Lord. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Listen carefully. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, brother and sister, what I was wanting to bring up is that these doctrines, if I want to go ahead and label them that, have consequences, just like any idea have consequences. And if you or me hold to a doctrine or a view, not only of Scripture, but of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, that is not true, we are we are setting ourselves up and eventually are prone to allow Satan to smuggle in a lie and make us believe something that's not true and draw us away from the Lord. Ultimately, that's his goal, to steal, kill, and destroy. To, to steal uh, your heart from God and destroy your faith to God and kill you uh, in your separation uh, from God altogether. And if we hold to views that don't have a sealed, solid position, then we leave room for deception. We leave room for deception. 
Um, and, you know, the scripture goes on to talk about the rising the, of the abomination that causes desolation. Um, and the Lord talks about the, how dreadful it will be in those days ahead of time. Brother and sister, my encouragement to you is not to fall pray just to anything that comes from the pulpit uh, or anything that you might pick up from the latest and greatest Christian, and I'm doing quotes here, from the latest and greatest Christian book that somehow is leading you uh, to try to understand the truth, quote-unquote, word of God, versus you uh, yourself humbly and with a lot of sensitivity and since and sincerity in your heart coming before the lord and reading it yourself it says that nobody no man needs to teach you only the spirit of god and isaiah says if you about the lord if you search for me you will find me when you search for me with all your heart brother and sister god is not a man that he should lie god is not a man that he should lie the scripture says and if God says that if you search for him, you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. And he can't lie about that. Can you imagine, brother and sister, what you will find when you sincerely search? God wants you to find it. He's not trying to hide it from you. He only wants you to have a sincere heart in your diligent search. See, see, brother and sister, I have told you ahead of time. Let me talk. Big plot talk on the line, just hold me down. Big dog beat, take it home, gotta give it to the pound. Yeah, light on my chest and my back, try to take me out. 